What's up, Simple Faster Cash Flow? Now, today we have yet another coaching call since you guys love this. And apparently some of you guys like to pick up these free calls. I also put this all in our member site, which you guys can get free access to at simplepassacashflow.com slash club. You've got to go into the portal, but we arrange all these coaching calls and I've, I haven't looked at it lately, but I'm pretty sure we have at least two or three dozen of all these calls, all conveniently arranged by net worth. Eric's call today, he's about a million dollars net worth. And I'll say if you're a million and a half, you scroll to, down to there, you skip over all the broke guys, non-accredited guys, and you go right there and you see what's happening. There's calls that are guys between two and five million and even plus. I've always said that this financial independence journey, it's you're not no special snowflake. And this is why I've developed the like uh, ability to read people and read their personal financial sheets to kind of point people down this path. And that's nothing that hard. That's why we call it simplepassivecashflow.com. But the hardest part is the people. Just go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash events. That's the living page for all our in-person events. And also check out the the January 2023 annual retreat. We've got the page up. The itinerary is still in flux as I always use the month of October, November to pull my insider inner circle, what do we want to be talking about that year? And the truth is, I don't really put a huge amount of effort into the itinerary. What I definitely don't have is a bunch of bringing a bunch of stupid speakers that are just trying to sell their product and fake gurus. I don't do that. And the reason why I don't do that is because we have the most high quality group of people coming, you guys. And when you have that, we just put the table topics out there. We put you guys on round tables of six and eight, and you guys interact and build relationships. And that's what it is about being a passive investor. If you guys want to get involved in this and new to the group, the first step is signing up for the club at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. There you're going to get access to all these coaching calls that we have here it's going to be organized by net worth. That's one of the many pieces of content in that inner circle portal site. Um, again, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club, and we will see you at one of the events. Enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow listeners. Today, we have a coaching call. I know you guys really like these things because you go to work and you are sitting there and you're like, hey, this guy, Eric, he's just like me or he's just a little bit behind me or he's just a little bit before me. The truth is that y'all are driving in your Teslas. You are not special people. You're all just, there's only like seven different profiles. I don't know if it's really seven. But we're all the same, right? We work hard, we study hard, we go get a job, we work at the job for 40, 50 years, all of this normal financial planning type of stuff. But then we break off and do this alternative investing. And But we're going to meet Eric today, who's a volunteer, to tell a little bit about his story. And then hopefully it's useful to you. There's some, some goals that align and next steps moving forward. But Eric, why don't you paint the picture for folks? Tell a little, tell a little about yourself, and uh, yeah, we'll get going through this. Cool, cool. Thanks for having me. So I'm just a regular old guy, a small business operator, entrepreneur. I have a wife and three little kids, and I just moved from San Diego to Pennsylvania. I had been entrepreneurs starting service-based businesses, and about four years ago, I left and created a digital marketing agency to serve my niche that I'd been operating in, and. Through that, actually through COVID, I got introduced to a couple of people that were into real estate and I had some free time because I couldn't do anything in COVID. So I started playing golf with a couple of real estate investors and they put me on to that world and, and it altered what I was interested in professionally and, and personally. Rather. Yeah. Success leaves clues if these guys can golf whenever they want um, Yeah, doing this real estate thing. It's time to start Googling, huh? It's exactly right. Your spouse works, sir. Interesting that you'd ask. We used to work together. We'd actually started a couple of companies together, but with each kid, she started to work a little bit less. So now she doesn't currently. Okay. What is... This is actually a great... That's a great question because I want to make her a real estate professional. Right. So 
does is her earning potential a lot more or very similar to yours? I would say it's comparable in terms of she, she could start something, we could start something together. She's not like in a, a trade, she's not a licensed professional, not a doctor, lawyer, person where she'd go get a W-2 gig for 250K, but she's hardworking and smart, so we could start something. And both of you guys are untraditional in terms of income generation. You're small business owners, not just working stiffs at a date at a W-2. Yeah, to be honest, I pulled her into the entrepreneurial world. She probably would have been. Uh, Her risk profile is not that of entrepreneur necessarily. She had been running, she'd been a teacher and then moved on to other kind of organizational kind of jobs, running programming, stuff like that. Okay. We'll get back to that real estate professional thing at the end here, but just to paint the picture, if you guys are checking this out in the podcast, make sure you go to the YouTube channel where we have the entire financial sheet up. So we're looking at this, but we'll paint the picture for the podcast listeners, but we're approximately net worth of... It's, over it's in the one million. That, it's in the bottom of that summary. It's around. It's if you scroll up, there is. The, I, didn't, I didn't put the label there. It's nine sixty two. Nine sixty two. So essentially, close enough for government work. One million dollars <laughs> net worth. And then, approximately, how old are you guys? I'm a couple of years shy of forty, and my wife's a couple over. Okay. So, how about we paint the picture? What do you have now? Because you haven't really made too many changes, right? The mindset has shifted. Maybe take us through, like you started Googling stuff. Continue yeah, that yeah. story. So the guy I was golfing that does does seconds and is in the note world, kind of that that seemed pretty far out there for me. Buying distressed seconds seemed like not the first best move for me, although it's interesting. But basically, he put me on a ton of books, and it's eventually the Googling led me to you. And really the whole idea that he was pitching was don't ever sell the homes, just move on and keep them and rent them out. And so I drank the Kool-Aid there. As I understand, everybody needs to get their first door before they become fully drink the syndication Kool-Aid. If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast since 2016, you have seen me well change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom. So you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three-step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ. And last and least impactful, number three, infinite banking. If your net worth is not yet $1 million, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey. All right, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my one, two, three system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 their first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FOOM for short. Learn more at simplepassacashflow.com slash journey. So I we moved out of our San Diego house and I con- turned it into a rental and it cash flows nicely and they're paying down the mortgage for us, which is great. Because of the jump in home prices like with covid i kind of i'm getting to the $500,000 you know tax free threshold sooner than i thought i would even a year ago so we bought it at 725 and lived in it for the last 5 years and we just moved out 6 months ago and i'm getting close and that was my whole idea I was like at the very least i'll hold on to it for 3 more years and i could sell it then and not pay taxes and all those gains. So I was really excited about that once I discovered that. So that's the reason why we held on to it. So, so you bought it for 700. What is it worth today? Uh, 1.2 and change. I think you might want to double check with a CPA on that. I don't, I, I tell everybody I, I'm not a CPA, yeah. not giving any tax legal advice, but I I'm, think it's as long as you live in the past two out of five years. You're exactly. Good. So I was thinking, and I, I've just spoke with my CPA about this. He's yeah, you, that, that's what, so if you've lived in it for two of the last five years, so I could sell it two and a half years from now and I would meet that. Yeah. Anyway, so and, that, and, and you, I think we probably had this conversation last time where the San Diego rental, it's cash flowing, 
but that's what the the noobs say right like what you really need to be looking at is you have what about six seven hundred thousand dollars debt equity in this thing making jack exactly so this is exactly what you told me last time uh, <laughs> we haven't changed much as people in the past well year, well no i i have uh well like if you go back to the summary tab though for basically one of the things that had changed because I, I was just about to sell my house just about to move and buy the house that i moved to when we spoke you, so you messed me up i went back to my wife yeah i kind of i think maybe you're fine yeah, are you sure man and i'm like yeah man well, no, I I saw the light, Lane. I like I understood that your point was you, there's equity being wasted in this environment for me now for the next while I hold on to the house. So I got the, a home equity line of credit against that equity. So I have 140k in a line of credit. I haven't moved it because I only got it a, a month ago, and so that's currently undeployed, and it's better than it's sitting in the house. But so that's one of the things I'm figuring out what to do with that. Cause I, I got this crazy, what an intro uh, prom- promotional rate of 0.9% for the first 12 on that 140. So I've got the house that's the rental. So I've got equity sitting there about five and a half, 500, 550 of equity sitting there. I can pull 140 out and deploy it perhaps in a syndication, perhaps in notes and perhaps in crypto, whatever the, you know, whatever is going to work for the next two, three years. Did you, do you have any other like non-equity, non-real estate equity, non-retirement funds that you can deploy first? Because that's usually the order. It's like invest your cash, then you either go after your rate, your retirement accounts or your equity and your rental social homes. Yeah, I've got 20 grand that's uh, I threw in, I've been playing with in crypto, but other than that, there's no like side reserves that isn't deployed elsewhere to, to buy the second house. I pulled everything out. Got it. And because you're a small business owner, I'll just always ask such a question. Do you need like cash reserves, dry powder? Are you in a very capital intensive line of business? No, th- this is the beauty of digital marketing. I have an 80% margin on the software I sell. I'm really lean in terms of business expenses. So I basically, the business exists for me to pull money out in the best tax advantage ways. Perfect. Essentially, you're a salesman for somebody else's product. Yeah, it's, the it, business kind of works. Yeah, it, it's a combination of I sell the right software to the whoever client, and then I stick around as a consultant to make sure they use it to the best of, of their ability. And so it suits their needs. And that way I can go hide and they keep paying me that uh, subscription fee, like an annuity. And I check in on once a year. Yeah. It's simple passive cash flow. That's, <laughs> that's basically, it's basically, yeah. Uh, yeah. except I'm selling somebody else's doors. Some folks just going to their day job, checking in, checking a few emails, and <laughs> yeah. just, just sitting there, listen to Spotify, whatever you guys do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But okay, so like it's not like you have to dump money into paid advertising or you got staff. So really you don't need much of an emergency savings account. And it's I, I say that because I always like am surprised like some people who have just normal jobs, really like secure jobs too. And they're like, I need six months of expenses, you know. <laughs> Relax, man. First of all, you're not gonna like wine and dine and live like how you are if you lost your job so your expenses are going to go likely half to a third of what it is and secondly you're going to find a job man if you guys are making more than 100 grand a year there's a job market out there you just got to you know dust off the resume get out there yeah yeah this might sound naive but i've always made my own jobs not got them so i'm not so worried about having this war chest of cash in case of yeah yeah it is most people they have salaries where they're like that t-rex to get fed fed a goat on a string (laughs) Um, it can be scary if you're holding on to the side of the pool with that paycheck that steady paycheck it can be very scary to think that if you lost that job really out on your own where a lot of business owners such as yourself i mean you're like yeah live that every day This is the first, I think when I, the first time I started out by myself, somebody told me that you're now living in an eat what you kill environment. And that's terrifying. 
but also really exciting. Yeah. yeah. To some people. Getting off subject a little bit. You know, there, what I've always thought is like, there's a lot of incredibly smart people with high paying jobs and salaries that are still holding on to the side of the pool and still being spoon fed rack of lambs on a string. If they would jump into your world and start to hunt their own food, they'd actually be pretty damn good at it, but they just never get the chance to test out their skills and yeah. swim. This is, there's a, there's actually a group of 40 to 60 year olds that are low key resentful about the entrepreneurship wave that has fallen in the last 20 years, because prior to having kids in college, they would have loved to join the startup and been a Gary V devotee and been part of that culture, but they missed the social window. Yeah. Once you have kids, it's yeah. over. Game over, man. <laughs> kids, kids ruin everything, man. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just kidding. They're great. I'm, I'm... They're great. They're great in itself. But yeah, for venturing out on your own and seeing how far you get, it's different. If you don't, the, the thing is, you don't really need to make that much money if you follow the simple passive cash flow system. Really, there's really no reason to make more than 250 a year. Well, so this is actually why I came back. I answered the call to that kind of coaching call the email that you sent yeah. out because my the industries that I serve for my business have bounced back after COVID. So I'm having a, a benchmark year. So 2022 will be great for me. So I'm anticipating a 2022 tax return where I'm going to have business profit beyond what I've had previously. So I'm starting to get more interested in how can I map out losses over the next 10 years and yeah this is for everybody right if you have a lot of income you got a big inheritance or you're broke and you lost your job it's for everybody so yeah let's so let's dig into here what is your plan to do with the money from i guess it'll probably come from that rental right when you tip tap the heloc a little bit yeah what's your first move Let's talk about uh, it. So one of the things I want to save, I want to reserve 50 for a syndication, I think, for a Sunbelt apartment. And the only question is if I can basically map out selling the rental in two years and having those un, un, untaxed gains co- cover, and I pay, pay back the HELOC, obviously. And then redeploy those gains so I can get into this three to five year cycle of the buying and selling of the apartments. Yeah. Did you ever look into doing the little rental properties, the turnkeys, that type of stuff? Just a dip your toe in and learn. It's cool that you have a rental property in San Diego. <laughs> um, now, and you have a property management property manager running that for you i have some i have a a neighbor who's a really smart woman that stopped working as her kid her kids took her time and so she's basically across the street property manager so i i manage the relationship with the tenants she's there to go inspect the light bulb if i need it got it cool learning a lot to the experience yeah. running tenants checks through through the zillow application manager because one one rental i'm like how hard could this be yeah uh, and it was like too easy to be honest with you. Yeah, it's not rocket science. You don't need to be a freaking genius. If anything, I had Zillow applicants showing their credit profiles and tax records. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people make so much more money than me. <laughs> they want to rent my house. <laughs> no, no kidding. I had, I obviously can't really disclose, but I had a doctor that was like, he was, he paid more in taxes than my, my AGI or like my pre-tax income. It was yeah. like, it was insane. But it, that was also the timing of COVID and kind of housing and migration being all crazy. So I know it's not going to last forever. Yeah. But you, you've had months where things, bigger things break and it's a downer. You've had that. Yeah. It's like the day he moved in the garage door of the rent. And I knew it was going to happen. And I had the vendor lined up and I've got all my vendors and expenses tracked in my, in my, I have a whole air table base for the rental. But so it's not like the, I don't get excited when he texts me. I wake up to a text and he's, by the way, the ice machine is making a noise. I don't, and it's a nice place. It's not like a, it's not like yeah. a shabby. It's actually harder, I think, sometimes to work with those class A tenants than the class B's and C's, different set of problems. Sure. Those are more like, hey, I don't have the money. And now you're trying to negotiate. Can you get it in 10 days? 
Yeah. Can you get it in 14 days? <laughs> when can yeah, you get no. it to us? With my tenant, it has been totally the class A problems of, hey, the roller on the blinds is broken. Do you think you can get the handyman to come fix it? And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, did you try putting it back together with the clip that probably fell off? Then again, he's, I'm paying you so much money a yeah. month on yeah. this rental. Can you just fix it, man? Bit, bitter class A tenants, I'm learning, have their own set of issues. Yeah. But so I'm not, and I know I'm a builder, not a worrier. Like I'm way better at creating things than keeping, being worried about them. Like I don't, I'm probably not good enough at losing sleep about what's going on in San Diego. I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. And <laughs> it's great until there's a problem. Yeah. Your time as a small business owner is to spend your time on making more money than just screw around. Exactly. Placating so. class A tenants. Or I'm prospecting, after. not checking on him. So you're going into syndications. Any questions that pop up there that you have? Or so one the big, the thing that I find that nobody really wants to talk to me about, like my accountant and the bookkeeper and like my business people, that nobody's really in this world is like how to map out losses that you can take, loss suspended losses, when to basically like this. I want my a ten year view, like a little like an extended pro forma of okay, I'm gonna put fifty into a real estate investment every three years, every two years, and spread out the losses and offset them. There isn't really a good person. Like all the tax people are like, don't talk to somebody else about that, and all the real estate people are like, talk to your tax person. <laughs> so yeah, like, let's go through that right now. Like. I think the problem is if they're smart, they stay away from this stuff like a 10-foot pole. And they don't know what kind of deals you're going into. They don't know the leverage. They don't know like the cost segregations. They don't know any of this type of stuff. So from their point of view, it makes total sense why they would run away from it. And plus, they're broke. They don't have money in these deals in the first place. So why the hell are you going to ask them? There's just like, like talking to some NASA scientists about like Saturn or Mars. Like, dude, have you ever been there? It's just in our textbooks. Yeah. I don't know. I'm the telescope kinda, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I might be wrong there, but okay. So let's, let's make this, uh, let's call it 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. And let's just say you, let's just say you dump the hundred grand into a deal. And for art, for just people are going to say, it's just big ranges. And well, based on my experience of what I've seen in a stabilized, older property, 30, 40 years old with um, prudent, almost maxed out leverage, because that's a big thing, right? Because it dilutes your equity. With a $100,000 investment, you know, maybe you might see 50 grand come back as first year losses. Because what this is coming out of is, let's just say you went, this is actually a cool strategy for some folks that live in high-priced areas that have a lot of money to blow. Let's just say you bought a $3 million house in San Diego. Okay. And out of that, it's broken up by the land portion, which you cannot deduct, and the, the improvement portion, which is the house. So the, you can deduct the not the land, but the improvement portion. And I'm just going to use... I think the land is worth maybe two thirds of these high price areas like California. In so, Texas and Alabama, it's flip flop, right? Two thirds is the improvement, one third is the land. I just asked my San Diego, my accountant about in San Diego, he said 25%. So I asked him how much I could write off of the house for, I asked him if I need to do cost segregation because I know I'm only going to sell the house in the next three years. Is it worth it? Heavens, no. Yeah. No. And he's like, no, because yeah. you can only take 25 grand. So you're going to be beyond that no matter what. But he said 20, it was 25% was the land. Okay. Let's do a third. Oh, whatever. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Third, so third. you can take with current bonus depreciation laws that are supposedly um, phasing away 2022, 23, 24. Still 2024 is still pretty damn good, in my opinion. You can take uh, up to a third of this number in the first year. So 33 grand. And uh, this is just on like your house, right? This is one little yeah. example. I would imagine the next year it might be like, conservatively speaking, it'd be like 50 to 100 every year for the next several odd years would be the way I've seen it happen on that one house if you were to do that. 
But getting back to the syndications again, I've seen deals, if you put in a hundred grand, I've seen them come back with a hundred grand plus of losses because maybe of high, higher leverage. I don't know. Just more CapEx. There's so many, there's four or five different KPIs. What time of year you do the cost egg. Yeah. The, the, the aggressiveness of the cost egg, the aggressiveness of the CPA, very many different ways. I would think you might see 10,000 of losses here until whenever. But then you would sell, let's just say you sell the asset in 2027 on your $100,000. Maybe you made 50 grand on that money, right? Yeah. I don't think it's a great return, but you made $50,000 of capital gain. Plus you got to pay back all this stuff, right? So you got, you're going to hit, get hit with this taxable gain. Wait, but those, you're saying that's that row there of the 50. I thought that was a loss. You're, you're saying. Yeah, these are a lot. These are losses. But when you sell the asset, you exit the asset, you got to do depreciation to capture. Oh, you got to recapture the track. Okay. Yeah. So that's taking all this green stuff and paying it back again. So getting stuck with a bill in 2027 is what I want to avoid. But that's how it works if you're looking at the world myopically. But what's really going to happen is this, you're probably going to go into a bunch of deals, I would assume. And maybe the first several years, you, you do that. And then... So if I had 100, but even if it's just 50, if it's 50 a year to go. Yeah, let's use a... hundreds. It okay. is easy. Uh, and you're, you're a baller now. You're accredited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, let's just say you, every year you did a couple of deals, right? Yeah, and in this particular year, in your twenty twenty seven, you have to pay this back. But look at all the losses you got in the meantime. You have this plus this plus this plus this. Your banker on half a million dollars of past losses. So, how did the and these interact just perfectly with the sale? But the timing and of like for you and in simple passive cash flow, are you lining up the sale, thinking about the deals that are going to be in this sort of wave behind it to, to offset the cost? No, I could care less what's happening with your individual investors, what's going on there. This is your job. Like every deal is a different venture, right? Whatever is on your personal taxes, that's your job, my friend. And I'm that just is, saying that's the part that scares me though. Walk me through this. What is scary? What is the concern? The the sort of the the lack of control and the timing, like well, first of all, dude, you made a lot of money here. You gotta pay taxes on it, period. Okay. <laughs> like, but here's what's gonna happen, right? Like when this thing dumps, you gotta pay back the capital gain depreciation capture, which most people have to do anyway. With real estate, you're able to compile these losses to offset this completely. Yeah. And here's the cool part. What are you going to do after this deal dumps out? You're probably going to go into more, but more with $150,000. And then this is going to be 75. Yeah. It like it's just, just like it just gets better. Wow. So what did I say the sum like here's the total of passive activity losses that you're accumulating. What do we say around 450 here? You know, in this year maybe it drops down to 300, right? Because you had this happen. You know? Yeah. But because you're getting this big, you're jumping into the fun house again, here, you're getting even more that you began with, in a way, because you're going into kind of two deals with this money. So this is the epiphany I think a lot of people get that you're having possibly now, where you're like, oh, I never really come back to Earth. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I can probably do this till I die if they don't change the depreciation. Tax yeah, tax laws. Yeah. Of course, that's always a risk. But look what you did. You delayed all these taxes for at least several years. That's a lot better than what most people do. That's why your friends, even though they're doing notes, which I don't think is a great investment strategy for taxes, that's why they're at the golf course. <laughs> yeah. But so... Th- when and how does this end? Doesn't well, 
you can keep doing this for a long time. It ends when you define it to end, like when we get to end game strategy, it's called. So I define that as four to $5 million net worth. So you can just stop putting your money into value add real estate projects and just put it in the normal crap that everybody else does at mm. one to 5%. That's, that's one op- op- option. Got it. So this is the, you got to feed the beast, but then you got, I think that's the sort of, and, and I go out into chaos willingly like this. So this is why I'm, I'm here and yeah. exci- this is exciting to me. But you see, this is that leap, right? I think this is the epiphany right here. This whole thing about, you got to pay back the taxes, but Hey, I de- redeployed that money and I got more passive losses to add to my, my but that's, passive. So, so you, you're never actually paying, right? Like, so you're giving at the end of that first deal, I gave you 50 you're giving me back 140, but now I owe taxes on that of 140, that, on that 140, but but the gains only the gains only 40. Oh yeah, on this in this scenario, so, I would say the gains probably are a lot higher than in reality. The cash, right? That I, on, on that I'm, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to say I'm paying taxes on this 40, and so not if you were. Somebody who just, I just invested in one deal and yeah. I watched her for five years. Yes, you are correct. Yeah. But I don't know who the heck does that. You're going to, you're going to go into multiple deals, stockpile this passive activity. And just, so you want to suspend, you want to suspend, because you can suspend that. Let's just say you didn't do a deal until 2024. Or like if you delayed it, you can suspend that passive activity loss and save it. Correct. Suspended. It's you're about my age, you know, Willy Wonka, like chocolate bar up in the sky, suspended up in there. You don't have to eat it yet. It just stays there until you need it. Right. Until this happens. Yeah. You need it. But then you load that into another deal or two deals and you end up with even more suspended chocolate bars up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get this conceptually, but because it's new. Uh, and I can't answer the questions for my wife about what's going to happen in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Five years. I'll Uh, I'll just say like, maybe this will help. Here's an example that I had. Like I bought, I think I bought these in 2015, 2016. Okay. So I bought a bunch of rental properties a long time ago, 2015. And I sold them, I think, in 2017 or 18, and I had a $200,000 capital gain plus depreciation recapture. But, so this is, I was like, oh, shoot, yeah. I have to pay that. Well, yeah, when, you, I do, when you say capital gain plus depreciation recapture, yeah, that means you're paying that 50 that you put in there. So you said you had $200 gains. And 50k of recapture that you have to cover in terms of your taxes. I don't remember how what was the breakdown but between for the, the scenario, two, but it doesn't matter. I had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar capital gain depreciation recapture. Okay, so two things: I might have made a hundred grand, and I recapture one fifty to get two fifty. Let's just call yeah. it that. Okay, uh, but I had because I was doing all this type of stuff years prior. I think by the time 2017, 18 hit, I had maybe about $400,000 of passive activity losses built up. Let's just call it 450. So what did I do? I used this. I took the suspended passive losses and I used it to offset the passive income depreciatory capture. I didn't pay any taxes that year on any of that type of stuff. Yeah. But then I took all this money and I just went ham and I went into more deals. And then, so this went down. I don't know exactly this is how it happened, but conceptually, that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. I'm not a tax guy. This is where you're going to have to go to your tax guy and have these educated conversations with them. That's your job. Yeah. If people think that I'm giving tax advice here, this is infotainment. Yeah, exactly. So 450 minus 250 is what 200. It went down to 200. I get a little afraid when it gets that low, personally. Right? When it gets that, that, that lower yeah. high that low yeah but then i went into more deals and i'm back up i'm back how do people track this though i think the form is your 8284 form a lot of this information is on simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax the 
the guide, the master guide that we have yeah. with all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that 8284 form, that's tricky because a lot of CPAs don't like to give that to you because they know you're shopping for a new CPA. There's a lot of the back calculations, not on the page, but in the software that you mm. won't have. Yeah, see, this is why you have to know it ahead of, you have to know it for your accountant. Yeah. And this is why we have the K1 tracker sheet to keep track of all this type of stuff. Like how much passive losses do I have this year? Did I get the previous years? So you and your head can be plus or minus 20, 30% at least and follow it and say, Hey, Mr. CPA, where did you put this big 400 grand of passive losses? I think I should have. Yeah. You didn't burn it up. Did you, or maybe you should have my, my CPA, he drives my income down to nothing, even though I maybe should keep some of this stuff for some of these deals to exit. But his argument was like, you're probably better off. You can make more money in the two years of not paying taxes on it. And we'll just worry about that day when it comes. You only live long, once. This, this is, but this is the contradiction with these two. This is like the re, your relationship with the future in these sort of in these formulas has to be so open because you're you're banking that you're going to have more cash to keep this game going, and yeah. that. And but, it, it, but it's, it's not a gonna game. End. You're going to have to pay taxes anyway. You're just delaying it a little bit. Worst case scenario, you got to pay your taxes. Yeah. But in theory, you could keep this going for a really, 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 really long time. Yeah. And that's the, like, people will do land conservation easements, even though it's like a red flag type of thing. And a lot of people do it and it works. But even if it doesn't work, and it gets audited and it gets audited every time. But even if they like say, no, this is totally negated. You don't have to get any of it. At least you didn't pay the taxes for that period of time. Yeah, yeah. And at least they, they wouldn't really, at least what my, my contacts tell me is they're not going to lower the evaluation all the way down to zero and you get no benefit to it. Yeah. Yeah. And at worst, it's a free loan until you have to pay back. Yeah. It's well, not that hard. I think that's Toronto trying to demystify there's a bunch of colors on a spreadsheet. You get a plus or minus 20% on each deal, you know I mean? And I think what's the hard thing is it's conceptual right now, but once you get into it, it gets a lot easier. You, you understand it. It's, yeah. you, you're a smart guy. You'll figure this out. But the problem is most CPAs want to stay the heck away from this type of stuff because it's a guessing game. It's just like me in the engineering world. That's why it drove me crazy. I'm like, how, how tall is the retaining wall going to be? Like, I don't know. It could be five miles tall. Dude, you've been doing this for so long. You should know. Is it going to be 12 feet or 14 feet, man? I have a bit of cost estimate. You know? yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Same thing here. Like these guys, in their defense, they don't do this stuff. You're that weird person and doing this type of stuff that likely they have no clue how to do this. So they don't have any of that past experience. Is there a type of accountant or person that does specialize in this stuff just as not a lazy maybe this comes off bad but like typically the older ones they're set in their ways they have a lazy client base that are used to do it the way that cpa wants to do which is the easy way yeah and they're a placated audience yeah typically that where you not want to go and i would say 95 percent of the people that come through our doors they got to change their cpa Yeah, I had to shop around starting the business. I had to shop around to find somebody that wasn't like an IRS foot soldier that was just terrified of the tax laws that are supposed to work for me. Yeah, yeah. You know how it goes. Like, I mean, yeah, referrals, yeah. referrals yeah. is always the big yeah. thing here. But um, there's no word I'm missing out on that's, oh, a real estate CPA. Yeah. Like, is that a, it's not a thing. Real estate's kind of pretty general. I think a lot of them will do it. It's just, I, what I would do is I would have conversations like this and it's like you're playing stump the chump because you know what the answer is, <laughs> but you're trying to see if they can logically have played intellectual jujitsu with you as you go through this. This okay. is a, that's like an SNL skit called stump the CPA chump. Yeah. Yeah. The good ones will be like, man, I'm like three years of retirement, Eric, just leave me alone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not um, your guy. Yeah. Okay. So this is one piece of the puzzle. I I have another problem. Okay. Okay. Let's yeah. Let's go back to your goals here. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully that was useful. That was super helpful because that's I'm trying to formulate a plan. So my second goal that on the sheet 
So I established the trust to start. Now that I'm worth something, I have to keep it organized and protected. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Like, again, public service announcement for everybody. If you have wills, those things just go through probate. Don't do that, guys. Get a living trust. It doesn't cost very much, a thousand, a few thousand dollars. It's not for asset protection. It's just in case you die, your money's not in limbo for your survivors and it doesn't go through probate and get aired out in front of everybody. So that's good. You got that done. I actually, I had the privilege and benefit. I did some things that were on my last five and 10 year plan with my wife. So we're like, great. But then for a while we've been aimless and I need a new 10 year plan that will get me out of, as much as I love working and doing the sort of work that I'm doing, I don't want to have to do it. I want to play golf with my real estate, my, my note investor friends. So, I would say just a different idea. Maybe it's just personality difference, but I'm like, just get moving down the road with this stuff a little bit, get going here yeah, and then make another five-year, 10-year plan. Just right now, for now, the big thing, like the rental property, right? When you yeah. put your San Diego property into service, you didn't know what was going to happen. You you no. haven't been in a syndication deal. You haven't, you don't know what's going to happen. So just get into one, right? Before you make this elaborate plan, the the secret of syndications is just working with honest people that don't steal your money. That's the biggest thing. That's, you, you know, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big question mark. Yeah. Right? It's like, especially when 25, 50, 75 K is the buy-in out of my million net worth. It's a, it's yeah. a one tenth, it's a it, one tenth bet. Sometimes it's, know? it's like a roller coaster. Get on, man. It's going to work. You have a lot of fun. Do your due diligence. Cause you could die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's that's yeah. a good but, I thought, I but don't be like go. right now i guess what i'm seeing you as or just what i'm hearing is right like you've never been at disneyland you've never been on any freaking roller coaster you're like, i'm making all these plans of doing this and i'm like no man just get on one roller coaster you may not even like it yeah, yeah. you may crap yourself and be like i'm just gonna <laughs> go and eat you know dining at disney instagram channel the whole day like just get one who knows you may really like it you may not like it too much we don't know yeah just do one all right before you you waste all your time and then all the disney fast passes the lightning lanes are all gone right don't let the fast passes dry up yeah they're not fast those are all gone man it's lightning lanes now you gotta pay for it now right you're right i haven't been there in a long time. you haven't been there a long time and you haven't been in syndication deals and the rents have been going up all in 2021 ain't gonna last forever best time to do it was yesterday yeah so before you i mean right now you're sitting in the beginning of the park you already bought your tickets you're already going to go on this ride or this theme park get in there and do something before the park closes it's already 10 a.m you lost (laughs) <laughs> good couple hours of rides make this 10 year or this full day plan yeah, yeah. that's just from it's a good analogy metaf- metaphorically speaking right you'll fall in the middle i'm sure the portion of this where it's i wouldn't say i'm stifled at it but i'm trying to balance out what's what is my mind has also exploded with the real the roller coaster that is crypto and so i'm trying to balance and figure out so i've got this 140 that i can deploy today and then i'm planning out next year and i just need like a six month to 18 month deployment plan uh, so that I feel like I'm not totally whimsical and just writing checks at the, uh, I hate feelings. Yeah. You're so again, you're like looking at what am I going to do with my 500 grand at deployable equity? Exactly. I would say break it out of that 500 grand off the top of your head. What percent do you want in real estate? What percent do you want in crypto? My gut was half halves it go find but, other so the, but, the the magic pill for all this at this point is you got to find not broke guys to hang out with that are on the same little bit like a half a step above you instead of crazy people like me or the golf buddies who are like a few steps ahead because we've yeah. forgotten how to get there and we were just possibly lucky but you yeah. got to find guys half a step ahead of you that are credit investors that are already on their first fifth deal. Yeah. So I, I have a couple of those guys, but they're probably more than a step, more than a half a step ahead. They're like, they've got some deals. They've got, they were into crypto earlier. They had it. They had more to spend earlier. Yeah. I 
the stuff that I read, and again, like all this stuff, like what is the best asset allocation mix for the alternative investor? There is none. There is no normal. But if you twisted my arm, I would probably say if your net worth is a million dollars, 5% of your net worth in crypto is the average. Yeah, average. Right. As your net worth increases, goes to 5 to 10 million, and that number of crypto creeps up to maybe 10, 20%. But that's typically what you will read in industry news for us. That's, that's what Forbes will say. But I think that's they're speaking out of one side of the mouth and the people that are, I don't know, I distrust what people, public knowledge is never. Public knowledge, I think they'll say either there'll be 100% crypto or none. Yeah, yeah exactly. Depending who you ask. I but like family offices, larger, they're in the 20% range, but those are 10, $20 million plus families. Yeah, but if, I'm, if I have this 500K that, I'm gonna basically gonna make it go to work for me. The where I'm coming from and why I'm like 90-10 split to start there, maybe, yeah. is that real estate works. Real estate will get you guys the two, three million dollars net worth in five years easily. That why screw around with more of this asymmetric risk crypto stuff at this point. Yeah. Sure, you can get there in two years doing that. But you can also lose it on, and then yeah. now your go- now your goal to getting to three million is going to take you ten to fifteen. Yeah. So that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, I get it. But, you, but you're saying the five hundred deployed in three years triples. Is that what you said? No. You're going to deploy that and deploy the other half a million on top of that at some point too. Yeah. So your your goal is to I would say. If it were me, deploy the 500 grand, which is half of your net worth in the next year or two years. But then what I would say, back that up because you're a slow starter is what I already can kind of sense. So figure out what your asset allocation mix is right now. So if you're like 70, 30, if you and I were to negotiate in the middle, 70% um, (laughs) real estate, 30% crypto, just do that calculation on the first quarter million and make that as your goal first year. Yeah. So I think that's 150, 100 um, yeah. into real estate, 50 Gs into crypto. And there you go. Get moving down the road as soon as possible. Maybe even make it a goal for the next six months. Because every day you sit by, you, you twiddle your thumbs. Let's do the math, right? Like 500 grand. I think you could be making like, I don't know, 15% per year. You're losing out on 75 grand. Let's not even get into the fact that it could be tax-free. 52 weeks a year. Every week that you're not doing anything, is you're losing $4,400. $4, yeah. Every day, you're just sitting. Every day, we don't do anything. I can't handle it. Let me write you a check. Yeah, $200, right? Of course, make a decision. Take your time. Yeah. But hey, liquidity anxiety is happening. 200 bucks, 200 bucks, 200 bucks every day. You could probably live off that. That's liquidity anxiety. That's the term. Yeah. I got yeah. that. Your money is not doing anything for you. And I get it. Like you want to want to do due diligence, but just know in the back of your head that you are losing this money in opportunity costs. Yeah. It's funny though. I normally my default mode of operation is ready, shoot, aim. Yeah, that's why I know you, right? You're an entrepreneur, but this, this is, is kind of it's been taking a while because the last time we talked was maybe a year ago and there you haven't you like me because i just tell you what i think like yeah. you haven't made that much progress yeah i moved across the country man yeah and you but got three kids so the first day yeah, i don't go anywhere fast uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah yeah but yes you're but the liquidity anxiety i'll raise my hand i'll take that yeah. one for but, sure but i think the thing that is working against you is again the peer group right your network is your network you don't have the, the influence the right influences around you to get you the right information for you to get the right due diligence done. I think that's the hard thing. And that's what the pandemic has made things really difficult for people to move down down this path. Yeah. Yeah, that is a problem. And I moved away from my golf buddies. They were were the richest people I knew. Even worse. Yeah. Luckily, you're not in the world of the cubicle land where you get all this invest in your 401k 
be the match, all this Gosh. type of stuff around you out there on your own. But, yeah, which is great. And I really, I the crypto stuff, I actually want to keep in, I have a self-directed Roth, so I want to keep it there. So I don't yeah, have to. Yeah, great idea. Great that, idea. That was, I didn't, I think it's in the, in the original thing, but I forgot to mention that I, I should be hitting any day now, but I set up a self-directed Roth with checkbook IRA. So I can, if I deal with notes and crypto in there, I don't have to worry about it. Because notes and crypto doesn't give you any good tax benefits. Therefore no, do it, do it in that type of stuff. And that's why I think a lot of people make that mistake where they will invest in real estate and all that stuff, but leave the cash not don't yes. use the cash you want to use the cash for real estate so you can get the tax benefits from it yeah so that's why i want to deploy the 140 on the syndication potentially before end of year and that'll be cool too because you can see that at cape that 2021 k1 i'll start playing and, the game th- this tax year yeah yeah that's a smart play right i think it is um Infinite banking, man, you're an overthinker already. I would say don't worry about this until you've deployed into four deals. Don't don't mess around with this yet. Um, But if you're, if you got looking for things to do, you should, everybody should have access to the infinite banking e-course. If you guys don't have it at home, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash banking, sign up there, and then you get access to the member site for the free, I think two hour course. But yeah, Eric. Kind of hands off this, hands off the cookie okay. jar a little bit until you go okay. into at least a couple of deals for us. Because this is going to confuse you. I just it's one of those things, and it doesn't move the needle too. Is the thing people think yeah. that it's like this heaven from God, but it is cool. But I mean, you got to do your the tax. It's the order is invest good deals so you can get good tax benefits, start to mitigate some of the taxes. Then once you got your ducks in a row there, you got the low hanging fruit there. Then it's the infinite banking stuff. Yeah. Lastly, um, max out Roth kids. That's a great idea. Just it's small potatoes, man. Don't worry about this. This only that. That's why I put it on the back burner. I was like, yeah, this is it, infinite banking. As much as I downplayed it, it is way more important than some silly Roth account for your kids. Yeah. 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 It's funny that's there because some it's so in my ear with what people say is oh you're you need your 529 savings for uh send your kid to college yeah. when you invest in like marketable securities with no tax benefits like that's the only stuff you can do there is nothing tax wise you can do yeah right? but when you get into the alternatives world boom there's so much more better options yeah yeah so Ooh. i don't know here here's what i think man like what I would suggest is like maybe low. I'd like to see you get like a 2021 K1 <laughs> so you can start to see this happen for yourself. May 2022 comes around. You've got that K1. You're like, oh my God, it really is a lot of paper lot. Yeah, I do the same thing. Like I put money into oil and gas deal because it's just textbook. Like, oh, you get tax benefits. Like, all right, what happens the first year, second year, third year? You know, hopefully I don't lose my money at oil and gas because there's a lot of kind of shady people in that world. But that's just how I do things. I like I don't see it until I, I see it on the tax form in terms of tax benefit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think after that first one, it's gonna get moving. But yeah, a quarter million dollars with a part of that in crypto in the next six months, I think that's a good semi-aggressive plan knowing that you're dropping for 200 bucks every day and not doing anything yeah yeah okay i didn't realize i I knew i had range anxiety with my electric car i didn't realize i had liquidity anxiety too yeah you got yeah i think i need to go see a shrink yeah i used to have one of those crappy leafs that only went 64 miles and 50 miles in the code when i was in seattle that was a real thing that's a real thing yeah. I don't have a leaf, but I got something like that. Yeah. Probably yeah. better. Anything's better than a leaf. Yeah, the leaves <laughs> the leaves the leaves aren't great. Yeah. Sorry if you, sorry if you have a leaf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. Who are we kidding? This these people are definitely on leaves. Yeah. But um, just to wrap up here, any other kind of questions that are popping up or no, that's cool. I, I definitely had I'm 
glad you named liquidity anxiety and also the the piece about the not worrying, not stressing about the Roths because there's so much more that you can do with the for growth over time within. Yeah, rest. yeah. But before I let you go, the after in six months to a year, you get done that you need to play the quarter million, and you start to see it work a little bit. You're getting good distributions. You're starting to get a hang of monthly reports. And you're like, wow, this is actually legit. I haven't gotten my money stolen yet. And then at that point, now we start to look at unloading that San Diego uh, property. But ideally, we want to load up on what did we say? Uh, Like capital? No, you don't. You're going to shelter all that, so you're good. There'll be some, but I think my goal was I was going to I wanted to wait to sell it for 1.3. So next summer, I think I could get that. Uh, If nothing, you're a gambler. You're a gambler too. If nothing falls apart, <laughs> yeah. Uh, pen, pending the big earthquake that my parents think has been coming for forty years, you're like uh, the guy who like never proposes to the girlfriend for seven years, and then the next two years, two years from now, I think that's the year. But then you never hear about these guys that the girl leaves them. No, Lane, come on. <laughs> what if the house drops? All I'm saying. No, well, what if I'll, it drops? What if it drops? Then I don't think it's going to drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. I I understand the what if. Yeah. I'm I'm saying like you maxed out the five hundred, take it. I think that's yeah. what I that's how I would play it. Like you don't know. You don't know either way. And I was just joking here. We don't yeah, know yeah, either yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, if you can lock in that max out that five hundred thousand dollars, you make sure the two out of five years your CPA has blessed it and everything. Yeah. I would say just take it and tap that at that point two three years there's going to be equity in there from the HELOC that you can't get at and it's going to be tick in away yeah so and i plant that seed now because yeah. in one in one year you're really going to need to start to pinpoint when am i going to sell when am i really going to sell this because you got that whiny class a tenant in there you got to get them out somehow gracefully i, I think i hope it'll be, it'll be this summer no matter what because I'll I don't want to have to look for another tenant from across the country. Okay. Uh, okay. The term contract will be up in the summer. Great time to sell. Crazy parents want to move into the school district. We'll pay. Yeah. Yeah. Just make sure you account for you're probably gonna have to put in 10 to 20 grand of rehab to make it look pretty. But and that takes time. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's the way I start to think about it. So basically, I, I get the HELOC gets deployed, or some of it gets deployed this year. I have more of it to deploy next year, and then I'll have the gains from the selling the rental, and then I'm starting the flywheel. And so by 2024, I just need to have another 100, 150 saved up to keep it going. What do you mean 100, 150 to saved up? I just need to have a, a free cash. I need to have earnings to keep investing with the next deals to keep the machine to feed the beast uh, yeah yeah you gotta keep making money you gotta keep making money yeah. that's all i'm understanding yeah it's, which is good because i'm a year ahead right? i'll be making if you if you scroll down on the summary yeah like, and, and what is i didn't ask you but what do you make what do you average savings every year which kind of your your velocity you're able to save 50 grand a year uh it's ebbed and flowed in the years that kids are born, but yeah, around that. So if I can bump that up to a hundred by yeah. 2024, then I can just deploy, keep deploying. Yeah. And if you are able to deploy a hundred grand, you're good, man. We'll spend time with your kids. There's really not much more you need to do at this point. You've already set this wheel in motion. Yeah. Yeah. But you need at least five years of working and saving and deploying to be in the cycle. Not really. No, that, that's not super important. It's just more like you need to have a million dollar net worth deployed a quarter million or half a million and then continually deploy 50, 100 grand every single year for maybe half a decade and you're done. You've hit that escape velocity. Yeah. Did you say escape velocity? Yeah, escape velocity. So everybody has that monthly cash flow number that you want. I think you guys are moving to a cheaper place. So yeah. for you guys, it might be 10 grand. 
a month passive income. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the, and we're going into the, the vehicle and just going faster and faster. But at some point, you hit this escape velocity where your investments are hitting that 10 grand a month and mm-hmm. it'll continue to grow. Yeah. Right. More than all pace the pace of inflation. But once you've got it that far, it's like a spaceship going out to outer space. It hits escape velocity. Boom. Breaks the atmosphere. Goes zero G. That's a the analogy. Yeah. 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 Okay. This makes it a lot clearer. And and you're talking me out of my crypto dreams. I, I would say my only advice there is my thought process. If you are like a broke guy, like under half a million, and you really had to make something out of nothing, then I would probably say, yeah, whatever. We'll do some crypto. You don't have much money to work with. Yeah, I feel like they just described me, but the number was different. <laughs> I feel like a broke guy. You're not a broke guy. Doing all right, man. Doing all right. The, the fact that you're you move out of that state of California now you're doing better than most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's not really much how much you make; it's more you what you keep, and part of that is taxes too, and what's and having a less um, lower level standard of living. Some people mm-hmm. they spend like twenty, thirty, forty thousand a month. My goodness gracious, dude! I mean, whatever. Wait, it took me like ten, you remember the movie Inception. I've been like, I like totally used Inception to make my wife think it was cool to drive around a car that's fully paid off. And I paid off our you know, her, her car a couple months ago. And it's just like, don't you feel good every time you get in here? And she's no, it's old. <laughs> yeah. When I used to do the podcast and I actually had like guests, then I stopped doing that because I found out everybody is a stupid guru and they don't really know what they're talking about. So I stopped doing that. But one of the questions I always ask is like, what is one thing that you once thought was uh, absolute truth? That you won't, that then you've backed off of. I'm like absolute sometimes, but I know enough to know that there are certain things that, based on new evidence, you can always change. That's the disclaimer in every podcast yeah, that yeah. people will hear in a little bit. But you know, I thought leasing your car was a good thing. And then I did this sort of car hacking class and I discovered that's not what you want to be doing. <laughs> uh, even if it is for a business, that has nothing to do with it. And you're always learning and you know, open-minded, like you learn these things from their peers. That's the, the key critical part of that. So unfortunately you double down on that whole car payment thing and paying off assets. To me, it doesn't matter if it's a depreciating asset or depreciating asset. It doesn't matter. It's all clumped together in your personal finance and your network anyway. It's, for me, it's more of a, the principle of I don't need new crap. Keep telling yourself that if you don't have the money, but if you got the money, you got choices. Buy whatever you want. You did it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's a lot of people in our group. They start to build that thematic viewpoint, of like, you know, super frugal, right? Mr. Money Mustache. Yeah. But whatever, if that if that gets you going, that's the character you I, I want to play in life. I don't like going home and complaining to my wife about what she bought. But I also, I don't know. It, it's both though. So, yeah, I'd like to be able to afford the right nice thing. I also just don't want to fill my life with possessions and like have that be the focus. So it's tough to be both. But when you're in the growth stage, especially under million dollars net worth or maybe under two to $3 million, which is trying to grow your net worth, these are the, the decisions that you're going to have to make. But at some point, the you hit escape velocity, your money works harder for you. At that point, time is more valuable than money and you yeah. die at any point and it's all for nothing. Yeah. But not many people get to escape velocity or get even close to it. Wait, so are you saying I shouldn't pay off my car? Hold it. Hold yeah, on. yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't do that because it's like if you, you can get really good car loans. No, no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't pay it off early. I just mean like we owned it for five years and the loan amortized and it's the last. It's just done. And now I got get a, a new car, car man. <laughs> I need to get a new car payment. Because who see. wants to? Who wants to drive an old car? Uh, and this is my personal thing. This is a person. This is. A, but you you only have one kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, when you have three that are eating Cheerios and puking in the back of your 
brand new Tesla, you're going to want to be like, okay, this Tesla is going to, you're going to die with this Tesla kids. I'm not getting a new anything. <laughs> I've heard, <laughs> I've heard that too. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not speaking from experience on that, but yeah, yeah. my argument is like the newer cars have the better safety. So if that gets you going, then get a new car. That's what, that, that's why my wife needs a new car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like for the money, in terms of money, the way you look at it, at money, like you have all that equity in that car, just go re-leverage it just like you would a house. But yeah. you're not quite the poster boy with that. You're paid off or you're high <laughs> equity. San Diego rental. So uh, who am I saying? These are like the good, like these things that you've kind of brainwashed yourself to thinking like, this is good, right? This got you to this point now, like a yeah. saver mentality, but it's really not what gets you to the next level. Mm. It can be, you take, you make these decisions to like, in a all by yourself. This is the transition to an accredited investor, passive investor, where it's more peer groups. Your network is your net worth. Having look fun because everybody knows that one guy who's like when he when we do like the pop up events he's like really tight yeah. uh, downer nobody wants yeah. to hang out with that guy and he doesn't build his network he doesn't figure out what where to invest where to stay away from yeah. he just doesn't know because he doesn't have any friends yeah social relationships are the currency of the wealthy and the sooner you pick up that once you have money you need to loosen up and have more fun you know that's when yeah. you step up to that next plateau yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's it. Maybe we'll see you in, in January in the retreat coming out. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I, Most I, people will, they will not stay in the nice hotel. Really? Um, <laughs> they will stay in like the smaller ones. So they're very frugally minded, but they will spend money on other things. But that's the DNA. But the conscious movement is towards paying money on you know, experiences, trip to Hawaii. Yeah relationships yeah. and people bring spouses it's like yeah encouraged yeah it's encouraged yeah. yeah and this is the group that you want to bring up to not the house slipper group <laughs> the local yeah. yeah 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 okay that's not the tupperware party scene no definitely not no. yeah no, that believe me that's the group i want to go that's i want to hang yeah. with you. The golf home boys. Yeah, we're actually going to do it. I think I haven't signed it yet, but I think we're going to do it the four seasons. It's definitely not like my scene, but my whole psychology on this is if it gets the, you know, you cheapskates and myself thinking differently and a different ethos for one freaking day out of the year, and it kind of set the mood for the right yeah. people to start get you out of your normal state, Yeah, then, you know, it's worth the extra five grand the way I see it than to yeah. go to i don't know where we would go the marriott or something like that yeah you, you want to go <laughs> slumming in a holiday Inn express or anything yeah we're freaking at credit yeah. investors here it's good changing future states <laughs> it's good this is super helpful to talk through it with yeah. the different market trends and all your truth telling yeah at the same time i'm sorry you have to pay a wiring fee of 25 dollars <laughs> suck it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right Right on. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you later, later. Bye. Thanks.